Hi, and welcome to the Passion for Italy Travel Podcast. This is Lindsay from the Tampa, Florida office. Over the past few weeks, you've heard stories from our suppliers about their lives during COVID-19, how they've gotten by and made the most of a difficult time. You've also heard from Gemma and Allison with PFI about their love stories with Italy. Today, I'm sharing mine. This is a personal story, but I hope it inspires you to make the most of the time you have together with people you love, to live every moment, and to get out and see this beautiful world together as soon as possible. Many of my clients ask me about bringing their teenagers, how to make the trip interesting for them so they won't get bored. It's one of my favorite questions, and the short answer is, bring them with you and watch what happens. Italy changes people. Italy creates. You may have seen or at least heard of the new Medici series on Netflix. It's an art history lover's delight set in Renaissance Florence. The second season ends with artist Sandro Botticelli painting his famous Venus and Mars, using as his models the memories of Giuliano de' Medici and Simonetta Vespucci. In the story, both have recently died, and the original painting has been destroyed, so he's repainting it for memory. Lorenzo the Magnificent enters and looks at him curiously. The artist says passionately, Perché dopo la morte torna la vita, si rinasce. Because after death, life returns, one is reborn. My husband and I watched the season in Italian first. After this scene, I sat with tears streaming down my cheeks. Si rinasce. Rinascimento is the Italian word for renaissance, rebirth. We almost always think of it in relation to art and Italy as its home. However, there's another type of rebirth that occurs for many of us when we visit Italy for the first time and every time. In another still that brings back the memories of loved ones no longer with us and keeps them alive in our hearts. My mom was a high school English teacher. When I was four years old, she began taking student trips to England to visit the homes of Shakespeare, Keats, and Wordsworth. As years went by, we would sign up for different itineraries mixing in other European countries. Her heart was in the Lake District of England. My dad fell hard for Paris, and I had yet to find my place. The summer of 2001, I was 15 years old. Mom was teaching Dante that year and decided it was finally time to go to Italy. Honestly, I was indifferent, just glad it would be warmer than England. Then the Sunday morning before we left, I was getting ready for church when a feeling overwhelmed me. Something was changing, something was different. It was the moment I had prayed one day would come, when I knew it was time for me to be baptized. Without knowing it, that rebirth and baptism was the start of a passion that would change my life completely. It was as if God knew that this was the moment to breathe new life into me and wanted to make sure I had no doubt it was His plan. At 15, I was shy, bullied, made fun of for everything from shyness to the shape of my body and bad skin. I was deeply unhappy. Today, we would call it depression. To my surprise and lifelong gratitude, Italy was about to change all of that. Over the snow-covered Alps, the flight attendants began speaking and announcing arrival information in Italian and English. And still on the plane, it was the language that hit me first, as much for its intonation as its beauty. There's a joy inside the Italian language I've never heard or felt in any other. It sounded to me as if everyone were singing. I wanted nothing more than to understand. The bus picked us up in Milan, and we stopped for lunch at an auto grill on the way to Venice. Now, an auto grill looks a bit like a truck stop, and it basically is, but a much better version. 
I expected some kind of Italian equivalent of a gas station hot dog. And this is when Italy began its surprises. Turns out auto grills are nothing like our truck stops. The smell of espresso wafts out before the door ever opens. Inside is an espresso bar, a separate cafeteria serving all kinds of pastas, vegetables, hot and cold dishes, and panini that are nothing like the sandwiches we're used to here. At the first taste of pasta al pomodoro at the auto grill, I was shocked that simple pasta could taste this good in a gas station. Our hotel was on the Lido, an island of Venice with a sandy beach. Neither mom nor I could ever let an opportunity pass to sink our feet into the sand and sea. So we went to walk on the beach first thing. Walking along, I suddenly fell in a hole some teenager boys had dug in the sand, covered with a towel and then more sand. Welcome to Italy. To my shock, these boys actually made sure I was okay, and I heard my first, Bella. It was the first time in a long time I'd been called beautiful by a stranger. I laughed a genuine laugh, and my soul began to heal. That evening, we sat in Piazza San Marco, listening to the orchestras at the cafes. I'll never forget hearing the Biamo i Lieti Calici for the first time. Everyone in the piazza clapping along with a playful orchestra at Grand Cafe Quadri. The coldest heart would melt at the joy in the air, and mine was set on fire. As they played on, everything from opera arias to O Sole Mio, couples danced in the square. Friends clinked glasses and laughed. Light bounced from the moon and stars off the piazza and danced on the sparkling basilica tiles. And I sat there in ecstasy. In a few days, we were off to Florence. Our guide pointed out the heart shapes carved into David's eyes that give him his famous piercing gaze. To me, even more incredible than the David were the unfinished statues and the story that Michelangelo could look at a block of marble and see the figure trapped inside. He had simply to set it free. I felt like one of those, struggling, pushing, lifting, fighting to break the shell that confined me, to be set free. Still, they're some of my favorite works of art in the world. I met my soulmate of a city when our bus pulled into Rome. Piazza Navona, above the ruins of Domitian Stadium, enchanted me instantly with its splashing fountains, street musicians, artists, and cafes along the Oblong Piazza. The whole scene shot an arrow straight through my heart. In Sorrento, our next stop, we sat down to one of the dreaded dinner shows that I had hated since I was four years old. They never fail to pick out the shyest person of the pack to humiliate. As a four-year-old, I actually crawled under the table when the man with bagpipes selected me to be the first to try the haggis. Ask me why I'm a vegetarian. So I carefully selected my seat in the middle of a long table against the wall. Ha, they won't get me here. Oh, but they did. I lost myself enjoying the music of the show. Finiculi Finicula was the most fun song I'd ever heard. And then the dreaded moment. One of the dancers in the show reached across our big long table and grabbed my hand. Before I could escape, he was swinging me around the stage. And it still makes me smile to remember. We were in Italy, I think, for about 10 days that trip. And over the course of those days, every sense inside me came to life as if for the first time. The scent of jasmine, the taste of pesto, the music in St. Mark's Square, the beauty of the piazzas under twinkling starlight the feel of cold stone in the prison walls where apostles Peter and Paul were said to be held. For the first time, I felt a sense of belonging. I left that trip a new person, reborn with passion and purpose. In 2005, mom had just finished chemo for the cancer she would fight the rest of her life. 
She had signed up for a trip to Italy and always said the desire for that trip kept her spirits up. In Capri, one of her favorite places, she leaned back into the little dinghy and squeezed in the stunning blue grotto and her wig fell off in the water. She was mortified, but cool for the first time in months. Her kids, as she called them, all told her to ditch it, how great she looked, and that was the last time she ever put it on her head. Years and a few trips later, it was 2008. I sat on the bus with mom and two of her students who became two of my best friends. Our tour manager had put together a CD of her favorite Italian songs. And as our bus weaved along the Amalfi Coast, Andrea Botelli sang Conte Partiro. It was the first time I'd ever heard it. I turned to those two friends and mom and told them, I will walk down the aisle to this song. At that time, I was a few years into an Italian major at the University of Tennessee. I knew everyone in the program, so I thought. The first day of my senior year, I sat down with some friends in class on Petrarch and Boccaccio. The guy in front of me was someone I'd never seen before. He knew Italian better than I did. We studied together that year and quickly became good friends, bonding over his photos of Italian beaches and both our stories of how we each loved Italy so much. Eventually, we realized we loved each other too. On one of our first dates, he played a song for me. It was Conte Partiro. And on June 11th, 2011, I did indeed walk down the aisle to that song and to him. Matt and I have continued our love of each other, of Italy, and the Italian language for nine years now. Just a few months after we got back from our first trip to Italy together, mom's illness took a drastic turn. We went home to be with her for the last week of her life. The last thing she asked me for was to bring some joy to her last few days. Those two students of hers, now dear friends of mine, came over every day that week to watch under the Tuscan sun, dye her hair, and paint her nails. We were talking about our time together in Italy when she drew her last breath. As the news broke, so many students and past chaperones who had traveled with us reached out to our family to say what a difference she had made in their lives because she opened their eyes to a love of travel, a love of culture, a love of history, art, and language. In Italy or by the ocean, I see mom during the happiest moments of our lives, and I feel her spirit. I can go back to those moments in my mind, and it keeps her alive in my memory. Siri Nashe, one is reborn. This is the gift of travel. It is partially about the things you see, but so much more, it's the experiences with people who bring them to life for you, and the people you travel with. It's getting lost. It's laughing, crying, tasting something new. It's developing a passion for a subject you once thought boring, because now it tells a story. It's making memories. It's discovering a new and wonderful part of your soul. It's being reborn. I hope this story encourages you to create your own. Over the years, clients have come home telling me incredible things they've experienced together, and most of all, how much they enjoyed discovering together. Parents who haven't had alone time in years, families celebrating the end of a mother's cancer treatment, couples getting engaged. Sometimes the stories are funny as someone got lost and the locals helped them. But always, people return with memories they'll cherish forever. While we in the U.S. still have to wait a bit longer to be able to go to Italy, as long as we keep those dreams and desires alive, it will be even more special when we're finally able to go back. Stay strong, stay safe, and keep dreaming of Italy. Ciao.